Welcome again, everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome, Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Glad that you're connected there and everybody connecting with us online. We are happy to have that connection with you as well. Uh, we are in the third week of our Christmas series called Holy Moments. We began with this premise. Life is not measured so much by time as it is in moments. We don't remember our whole lives a linear recording of everything that happened, but we do have certain moments that stand out. Like your kid on stage dancing and singing, right? You remember that, because maybe not singing, maybe just standing there, right? You, you remember that. And, and so we have those moments that stick out, some good ones and some not so good ones, but that's how our minds record certain things that we can go back to and remember. We also talked about the thought through this whole series that I want you to really get ingrained in your mind and in your heart, and I need to do this too, and that is to always remember that you never know. You just never know. You have no idea what God can do through just one moment of obedience in your life or what Satan could do through one moment of disobedience in your life. It could just change so many things so quickly in that moment of decision that we have to make. And we have those moments all the time. I mean, every day, as you're going through the day, you're making decisions that could become holy moments of decision. Because all of life is supposed to be lived as worship to God. Not just the time we're in the service on a Sunday morning. and We call it the worship service. All of life is to be presented to God as a sacrifice of worship. So every day, as we go through the moments of the day, we're making decisions that will either make them holy moments of worship or something that Satan will use to cause harm and damage and pain and suffering. Those decisions matter. And as we've gone through this series, we started out the first week looking at a holy moment of decision in the life of Joseph and how Joseph had to decide, even when it was really hard, whether or not he was going to obey the message from God to take Mary to be his wife and be part of that, that amazing story of redemption with God sending his son Jesus here to redeem us. And then last week we looked at Mary as she faced a holy moment of a decision to surrender herself to God's plan and God's purpose for her life, to be the one through whom the baby would come. And we saw her willingness to surrender everything in that holy moment of decision. This week, we're gonna look at the shepherds. It's probably the most common, uh, commonly known passage of scripture of the Christmas story, thanks to Charlie Brown. And the Charlie Brown Christmas special, where, where on stage there, they recite these verses. You could be turning to Luke chapter two and just hold that for just a moment. We're gonna be looking at that passage that is so familiar. But the shepherds, we're going to see, showed no hesitation whatsoever in their holy moment of decision to respond to the announcement of the angels. There was a, uh, a group of police officers sitting outside a woman's house after she had taken a shot at her husband with a gun. And uh, he was wounded, but it looked like he was going to survive. But the officers were there, uh, and 
he, one of the officers calls the dispatcher and says, uh, we're at this home where a woman armed with a pistol is in there and she just shot her husband. And the dispatcher says, well, do you know why she shot her husband? And the officer says, yeah, she told him not to step on the kitchen floor while it was still wet after she just mopped it. <laughs> the dispatcher says, well, do you have her in custody yet? And the officer said, no, we're a little hesitant to go in and take her in custody. The dispatcher said, why? The officer said, the floor's still a little wet. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes hesitation is good, isn't it? When, when you've got to make that decision about, is this the right step to take? You give yourself a moment, you think through it, you, you consider all the circumstances before you act. That's not a bad thing. But there are some times where hesitation could be a really bad thing because you might miss the most important thing. You might miss the opportunity. You might miss the chance to be part of a holy moment of God just because you hesitated a little too long. You didn't step out. You didn't embrace the chance, the moment in time that God was wanting to use and have you be a part of in that moment. And I want you to think about that as we look at the story of the shepherds and how they respond in Luke chapter 2 here, uh, beginning with verse 8. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, of course they were terrified. It'd be a scary thing, right? All of a sudden, you're out there at night. It's dark. The only light you've got is the stars and the moon. And, and, and all of a sudden, there's this appearance of someone. And, and it's not just the appearance of that one angel. It's the glory of the Lord that is with them. And they're, and they're in the presence of the glory of God. And, and we see accounts in Scripture where there's talks about the glory of God and the brightness and the, the purity of the light and, and, and how it was so great and so majestic that you, couldn't al you almost couldn't stand to be in that glorious light. And it would expose everything. Have you ever been traveling and you went to a hotel room and you know how sometimes in different bathrooms they have different mirrors and different lighting? And you're getting ready, and, and you flip on the light in there, and you look in the mirror, and sometimes they've got this light that just, I know it's got to be the light or the mirror. It makes you look bad. <laughs> I mean, every flaw is exposed, every bad thing, you know, you can see. And, and that's why I use very dim lighting when I'm getting ready. I just, I at least want to think like it looks okay, right? Well, in the light of the glory of God, every that's wrong every flaw is exposed and here these shepherds are they're just ordinary common laborers in their day and in the glory of God they were scared in the presence of this angel they were afraid I think it's the suddenness but I also think it's it's the glory that exposes the sin in our lives Why did God go to these shepherds? That's, that's a question that theologians have dealt with for years. Of all the people this announcement could have been made to, of all the people God could have uh, said, the, the king is born, the, the, the one who would reign forever, the, 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's arrived in Bethlehem for all important events in their culture at that time. They would make up this list of people that would be invited. And it was, if it had something to do with royalty or the heads of government, you could be sure they would handpick certain people to get those announcements, to get those invitations to come and be a part of that event. And for this event, for this event of the coming of God in the flesh, when God made out the invitation list, he put shepherds on there, just common, everyday shepherds out in the field just doing their job. You, you know, you've heard the term maybe in our culture, it's a, it's a little while back that this term was used more, but blue-collar workers, right? That, that's kind of the category the shepherds would be in. They're just the blue-collar workers of their day. A, and they weren't known to be, you know, uh, anywhere up high in society in any way. In fact, for among many, they were looked down on in their culture and their society. And there were a lot of reasons for it, but one of the reasons was that was a job that, that didn't have room for advancement, right? It's not like you're going to just work your way up as a shepherd to some great job, you know. And, uh, no, you're just, if you're a shepherd, you're a shepherd. That's just what you're going to be doing. You're just going to be taking care of animals. Probably going to smell a lot like the animals that you're taking care of. You're living out there on the land. Uh, you're out there camping out pretty much. It's not like you're going to get a shower every day, get cleaned up, put on nice clothes. Not, not when you're a shepherd. It's just one of those blue-collar jobs where you might not look or smell or appear to be very important the way the world looks at workers. And when God's making out the list of who he was going to invite to be part of the birth of his son, he said, I want those shepherds to be invited. I'm going to send an angel directly to them. I'm going to let them know that I want them to be part of this. And there are other practical reasons, I'm sure, for this. I mean, where is Jesus born, right? Remember? It's in Bethlehem, which is a small town. It's got some recognition because it's the, the town of David, but it was not a big town. It was a small place. And... When Mary and Joseph got there, remember, they were going there to enroll for the census that the Caesar Augustus had said they had to enroll for in the ancestral home of their family. They had to travel there, and a small town couldn't handle the crowd of everybody that was traveling there to register for the census because it wasn't just those who had their heritage recently from Bethlehem. It was for all time. If you have your lineage tracing back to Bethlehem, all of those people had to go back to that town to register for the census, so the, the town is crowded. All the inns are full. And I know the innkeeper gets a really bad rap. Couldn't you have made room? You know, couldn't you have pushed somebody? He didn't know this is God being born in the flesh. He's got no clue what's going on here. He does the best that he can. He's got a stable where the animals are. He says, well, at least I, I can let you stay there. Right? It's better than leaving them, leaving them out in the cold on the street, isn't it? Don't, don't be so hard on the innkeeper. He's probably doing the best he can do at this point. How would you like to be the one that was kicked out of your room because somebody else needs the room? You don't like that if that happens to you, do you? So he's trying to keep his guest happy, but at the same time make room for this family that showed up. 
It's not like they could make reservations online ahead of time like we can. You couldn't do that. Just had to show up. And so they get there and they have to be out in a stable. Well, who's going to be totally unfazed by being at a stable? People that take care of animals. Shepherds. Not going to be a problem for them to think about being at a stable and spending time there with a family. They, they were around stables all the time. When they weren't out in the field with the sheep, oftentimes they would be in town at a stable facility where they were taking care of the animals, the sheep would be sheared and things like that. That was a common thing for them. So they weren't at all offended by the smell, the sounds, or the experience of being in a stable. Now, I know many times we picture the stable as a wooden structure, and it could have been a wooden structure, but oftentimes around Bethlehem we have found some like this. They, they still have some. A stable would be in the side of a hill where they hollowed out like a, almost like a cave type thing part of the way into the side of the hill where they would make room in there for the animals and the, and the feeding troughs and the things like that for the animals. It would oftentimes be like a cave type thing. And many of the mangers, though, we often make them out of wood because it's easier for us today. A lot of the mangers were actually stone mangers, feeding troughs that they would use. So we're not sure what kind it was. That's not important to the story. What's important to the story is God is making sure that human beings understand that he was coming for everybody. He was sending a savior for everybody. This wasn't something that was just for the privileged, just for, for those who thought of themselves as important. In fact, the scripture teaches pretty consistently that many of those people won't even think they need a savior anyway. They got their lives in order. They're, they're well taken care of. They, they've got all they need. They're not as open to the idea that a savior has come for them because they wouldn't see even their need for a savior. But for those that are struggling, for those that are feeling the weight of oppression, for those that don't know how they're going to make ends meet the next week, the next month, the idea of a Savior would be something they would long for. The idea of a deliverer would be something that would be so giving of hope to them in their lives. And I think when we ask why the shepherds, I, I think it's, a lot of it's pretty obvious. We don't know all the mind of God. We don't know all the reasons behind it, but I think we can see clearly in Scripture that the heart of God is reaching out to everyday man and woman in the world and saying, I want you to have a Savior. I want you to know that you have a Savior. I want you to know that I've done this for you. And so on his invitation list, he says, let's get the shepherds. Let's make sure they're personally invited to come and be part of what I'm doing here. So that in the days to come, in the years to come, in the ages to come, people would recognize the fact that this Savior is the Savior of all men and women, no matter what their standing is in the world. I'm so thankful that, that God sees all of us as so valuable that he would send his Son for all of us. No matter where we've been, what we've done, what our heritage is, what our background is. I tell people this all the time. When I, I, I've never done, you know, what is it, the uh, ancestry things you can do to trace your family tree and all of that. I've never done that. I'm afraid of what they might find. But 
I know some of my family. I just don't want to go any deeper than that. It's just too risky on my family to do that. But, but I know this. If we all keep tracing far enough back, we all came from dirt. Because God took the dirt of the ground and made Adam the first human being. None of us comes from any higher standing than any other before God. None of us. And God is saying to the world, uh, I value every human being enough to send my son for that human being to redeem and rescue them from their sin. Because no matter what your standing is, not only are you not any lower than anybody else, but you're not any higher than anybody else either. And here's why we've all sinned and we all need a savior. No matter what family tree you've got. I got a lot of nuts in my family tree. And I'm okay with that. Because Jesus came to save us nuts too. Us crackpots. Us flawed people. He came because all of us are flawed people in sin. And he wanted us to know we have a Savior. Well, the next thing we see is what the, what the shepherds heard, the news that they heard. It was good news, it says in Scripture, of great joy, right? Pick up with verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'm always happy when the angel says that first. Because you know they're scared when an angel just pops up, right? We already talked about that. They're, they're shocked. They're afraid. They don't know what's happening next. They're not sure. They're, they're exposed to the glory of God. And all their flaws are exposed. And their sin is exposed. And the angel immediately says, don't be afraid. Just, just that statement from the angel would have started that process of these shepherds kind of coming down from their being so scared. You know, and getting a little calm so that they could hear the rest of what they were going to say. Said, uh, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, that's what, <laughs> this is so good to hear. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. <laughs> Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Good news that will cause great joy, the angel said, for all the people. So many people go through their whole lives with such a wrong idea and impression of God. That, that the message of the Bible and the message of the church is something that is something other than good news. They, they have this idea of God that he's, he's out there just watching over you with this idea. He's, he, he's wanting to catch you doing something wrong so he can punish you for it. And so many people pull back from God and they pull back from his church and they pull back from his son Jesus because they're afraid that if, if, they, if they get connected to that and involved in that, it's just going to, to bring guilt and shame and condemnation into their lives when they do it. But the Christmas story says just the opposite, friends. The angel's message was not I bring you news that God is judging you and condemning you and wants to, to punish you. Was that the angel's message? 
No. He said, I bring good news. It's going to bring great joy to everybody. But see, it only brings great joy when you understand it, when you know it, when you realize what the news is. Then it can bring you some great joy. I want you to be clear this Christmas. I don't want there to be any doubt in your mind. What God's doing here is good news that should bring great joy to your life. I don't know where you come from, all of you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what sins and mistakes and failures you've had in your life. God knows all those details. And the angel is saying to you and to me, I have good news for you today. Because today a Savior has been born. In the town of David. He wasn't just the Savior for the shepherds. He's the Savior for the world. He's your Savior if you choose him. That's why it's good news. And that's why it can bring great joy to all people. He says, the angel says that it was in the town of David. Well, we know the town of David is Bethlehem, and we know that's where Mary and Joseph had had to, to travel to register for the census, for the taxes. And we know what an inconvenience it was and how hard that was. And we understand that that wasn't their plan at all. But it was part of God's plan. Through his prophets, he had said that it was Bethlehem that would be the place that this child would be born. Over 700 years before this event, through the prophet, God had said, Bethlehem, you'll be the place where this Messiah will be born, will come, will appear. For the world. God is just reinforcing his promise and fulfilling all of his promises. I love the sign he gave to the shepherds, and oftentimes we read that over the years, and we thought the sign included two things. You'll find a baby, what? Wrapped in, and the King James, what does it say? Swaddling clothes. We thought, well, that must be something special, swaddling clothes. That's, that must be the sign where they know that's the baby when they find one wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know what they would find with every baby just born? That they would be wrapped in what? Swaddling. That's not a sign. It's just strips of cloth. They would bind up babies as part of the process they did. They would bind them up with strips of cloth, and usually the cloth would have some kind of ointment on it or something like that that would be soothing to a baby's skin, and it would help protect the baby, and they would wrap them up in strips of cloth. That was swaddling clothes. When you swaddled the baby, you were wrapping them up in those cloths. We still swaddle babies today. We don't call it that. But I see some of you moms coming around with these babies, and you got this little contraption where they're just all wrapped in there tight, you know, and just you swaddled your baby. Not swallow, swaddled your baby. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? All right. You will find them wrapped in these strips of cloth, right? Lying where? In a manger. If you went into town looking for a baby, would you start it with stables? No, not for a human baby, would you? That's not where you would start looking. So that was the sign. This baby that you're going to find, you're going to find him in a place you don't normally find the baby. It's not just in a stable, but in a particular place in the stable. Where's the place? The feeding trough. For the animals, that's where you're going to see the baby when you find this baby that I'm talking about here. That's the Savior, the Messiah. Now, these shepherds, though they weren't high class and they weren't high society and they weren't real respected probably in the town, 
they had been raised as Jews to, to look forward to the coming of the Messiah. Their whole lives they've heard that God promised the Messiah. Their whole lives, their, their grandparents and their parents and everybody in their extended family, they've all talked of God's Messiah that was going to come. They had no idea it would be in their lifetime. And then they had no idea it would be in their town. And then they had no idea that they would be included in that process and witness the Messiah themselves. Just like a lot of us go through everyday life as Christ followers today, and we've heard about the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, and we walk through every day with no expectation whatsoever that this could be the day that we see Jesus come back. And people are always working hard on trying to figure out the prophecies and the timing of when it's going to happen. And I always tell them, you're wasting your time. In fact, the scripture says no one knows the day or the hour. They'll come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's not going to be where you've got a whole bunch of preparation time or lead time and you, you, you know it's about to happen. It's not going to happen that way. Like a thief coming in the night, it says. There's some dumb criminals. Have you seen those shows sometimes on TV? But even some of those dumb criminals don't call you up ahead of time and say, I'll be there at you know, 3 a.m. Jesus' coming is going to be sudden, unexpected. In a moment, these shepherds were just living life like they had always lived life, and all of a sudden, the Messiah is there. The announcement is made, and it's happening in the moment that the Messiah is there. And it's going to be that way when Jesus comes back, and the question is, are we living ready every day for that appearance of the Messiah, the Savior? Well, we see that the angel gives them all this information about the baby. You'll go to find them lying in a manger. And then there's this great celebration of a great company of the heavenly host that appeared with the angel. Now, when it says uh, the heavenly host appeared with the angel, we don't know what all that included. If you read through the book of Revelation, there's different creatures talked about there with different descriptions of how they appeared and what they looked like. We don't know who all was included in this heavenly host or, or if it was just angels or if it was angels and other beings, we don't know, but it's the heavenly host that's there. And their job there was simply to give praise to God and to cry out praise for the arrival of the Messiah, this baby. And they, they, there they are in the light of the glory of God, just crying out, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth. Here's the message. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And that's been one of the most misused and abused passages of Scripture throughout history. That the message was peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Haven't you heard it that way? Got plaques that way? Ornaments with that on it? cards where that's the message of the card for Christmas look at the message again on earth peace to those on what on whom his favor rests 
He's saying on this earth you can have peace if you are living in favor with God. This peace is not promised to anybody else except those who have a right relationship with the Father. You know all the songs about Christmas and about how, you know, my Christmas list is there'd be no more wars and everybody would be at peace and everybody would just get along. That's not what the angel promised with the coming of this Messiah. Never has been. He's promised that life on this earth, you'll have what? Trouble. But in him, you can have what? Peace. If you have a right relationship with him, even through the trouble. That's a different promise. We keep thinking with the next treaty, with the next song, with the next unity effort, we're going to just magically somehow make it be peace on earth in the sense of no more conflict, no more problems, no more wars, no more, no more struggles. Uh, this world is under the curse of sin. Sin, remember we talked about this last week, sin is what caused all that stuff. As long as there's sin, that stuff will not go away. And the only thing that makes peace with our sin is the Savior, the Messiah. So if we are looking for peace while we're here on this earth, don't think it's going to come with the next peace treaty, the next end to the next conflict. Because guess what's right, right behind that conflict? Oh, there's another one. Why? Because people are sinful. We, act, we walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. And when we're walking in the flesh, we walk in our curse of sin, and we, we sometimes create conflict, and we certainly experience it because of others who've created conflict in their sin. So if we're looking for peace, we're going to find it in the Prince of Peace, in the person of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior. You don't find peace anywhere else on this earth. And so the angel announcement is an amazing announcement. It is a beautiful announcement. It's a fantastic promise, but it's not the way most people are teaching it today or saying it today or using the phrase today. It's not. He did not come to bring peace on earth. In fact, the scripture says that in some ways he's going to bring more conflict between people because some people are going to recognize him and accept him and believe in him and other people are not, and that's going to cause conflict between them. He didn't come to bring peace in the worldly sense of peace. He came to bring peace in our hearts and our minds and our relationship with the Father. That's the greatest peace of all. It's the only eternal, lasting peace that exists. And it only comes through the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus, that the angels announced to the shepherds there on that hillside that night. But I want to close with this last thing. It's the most important part of what we're talking about in this series of holy moments. And that is the immediate response of the shepherds to the news that they get. Let's look at verse 15. When the angels had left them, I can't imagine how that felt, right? <laughs> that light's gone now, the angels are gone, the heavenly host is gone, right? All that's gone now. It's, can't you imagine how that all at once would seem like all the air was out of the room for a minute there. Like a vacuum had just sucked everything out, and now it's just them again out there with the sheep. And they said to one another, I love this. 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What's their first response? We got to go check this out. We have got to go. You know what? I, I, I bet at least one of them, or maybe more of them, are thinking, we cannot hesitate too long or we will miss this. We better go now while we've got the chance. We better, we better hightail it down the town and start looking through stables in Bethlehem to find this child. Look, look at it, verse 16. So they hurried off. See, they didn't just casually say, oh, let's walk around for a while and see if we bump into them. No. They hurried off. They went as quickly as they could, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We'll talk more about that next week. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And he adds this statement, I love it which were just as they had been told. <laughs> Wouldn't you have questioned, was that just our mind playing tricks on us? Uh, did we eat bad pizza this morning and it just kind of made us have a, a crazy dream or something? Right? Wouldn't you be questioning all of that? But they were bold enough to step out and consider the possibility. Maybe this is real. Maybe this is true. Let's go check it out. Let's make sure we, we see with our own eyes, we experience it with, our, with ourselves and each other, what the angel has said. And when they went and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was that baby swaddled, not the sign. What was the sign? In the manger, in the animal feeding trough in the stable. They knew that was the baby the angel had told them about. That's the baby that the angel said is our Messiah, our Savior. And because they didn't hesitate, they were able to see with their own eyes and experience with their own hearts God's promise fulfilled for the ages in the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. They were included in this most holy of moments in the history of the world. God stepped into our existence in the flesh to be with us and to save us. If they had waited just a little while, if they had just started discussing, well, let's debate the theological implications of this. I don't think shepherds would have done that. If they just said, you know, Ah, I'm tired, man. We've been out here all day. We've got to take care of the sheep. What's going to happen to the sheep if we go into town? We're responsible for the sheep. What if they had thought that was more important than going into town? What if they had thought, you know, we got a job over here. We're busy with it. Let's, let, well, tomorrow morning when our shift is over, then maybe we'll try to find the baby. No. They went right then while that window of opportunity was there. And they found it was just like the angel told them. And they saw the Savior in person, in their lifetimes, in that holy moment. Here's what we forget sometimes. 
Mary and Joseph would not have stayed in that stable a long time. Don't you know that as parents with a newborn baby, early that next morning, what was Joseph going to be doing? He's going to be looking for a better place for them to be with this baby. He's going to be finding somewhere they could go and get everything taken care of that needed to be taken care of. They had to get food. They had to get supplies. They, they had to take care of things. That window of opportunity was just that one night in time in the history of the world. And that was it. And just a little bit of hesitation, they would have missed it completely. They may have never found that family in that town with that crowd with that baby. Now, why is that such a big deal for us? Here's why. It's because they got to be part of one of the greatest holy moments in history. They were included. They had to tell others about what had happened. They couldn't help themselves. They just had to tell others. But when you read this story and you see the end of this part of the account, they're telling other people, and it says they were amazed and what the shepherds were saying. Like a lot of people today. Yeah, the, the Christmas is great. I love Christmas, and it's a great story, and I, I enjoy all the festivities and the lights and the sounds and the music and, and presents. Oh, it's just so much fun. And it's all about families getting together. And, and here's what we don't remember. God doesn't want us to be amazed at the story. He wants us to be amazed with the Savior. He wants us to be captivated by this baby that didn't just stay a baby but came to go to the cross on our behalf. He didn't want us to just be amazed. Look at this story. Not one other person that the shepherds told this to. We have any record of anybody else saying we need to go see this for ourselves. We want to be part of this holy moment too. We want to, we want to experience what you've experienced. Nobody else went to see Jesus that night. I know you put the wise men at your nativity scene. I know. They weren't there that night. We got one in the pastor's parlor. The wise men are right there looking at the baby in the manger, but they weren't there. They just came with the kit. So we put them out there. I keep threatening, Sue Ann. I'm going to move them further off in the room somewhere. <laughs> because the biblical account is it's when the baby was born, that's when the star appeared that they started following to go find Jesus. See, the only other people that, that got an announcement were these wise men, these magi, that got an announcement through the star. And what was their first response? They didn't hesitate. They said, we've got to go find this baby. We've got to go see it for ourselves. And they traveled miles to go and see this baby. But if you read the scriptural account carefully, it says when they got to the house where he was, the star had stopped there. It didn't say a stable. You see, Mary and Joseph were actually good parents, even though they had their baby in a stable. They eventually got into a house to take care of their family and the baby. And the Magi went to the house at that time when they got there where the family was and got to see the baby and bring gifts to the baby. Why do you think it says that Herod had all the male children killed two years old and younger? Why do you think he had that time period? Because he asked the wise men, the Magi, when the star had appeared. 
And now he's walking back from the time the star had appeared to what time it is now to make sure he covered that whole time span of how long that had been to be sure he got rid of this baby that was born during that time. You see, this had been a long journey for the Magi. They weren't there that night. They traveled a long distance after the star appeared that night to finally get to see this baby. But they didn't want to miss their window of opportunity that God had sent them the message about. So here's what I want to close with, and that's this. Holy moments of opportunity open up for us like this every day in our lives. And sometimes they don't look as big and spectacular as an angel or some star that appears in the sky that the astronomer might see and know that's something special that doesn't always happen. Sometimes there are those holy moments of everyday life, like these shepherds were just going about their everyday life when the angel did appear. For some of us, we saw those opportunities. For the Smyrna campus, we partnered with the uh, Smyrna Elementary School with the Eagle Tree Stocking Drive, and it was a simple thing. It wasn't a big, spectacular thing. It was just an ornament that you could take and donate money, and they could provide gifts for children that needed some help in their families. But that decision to take the ornament and donate the money, it's a holy moment of decision that you're going to let God use you to bless somebody else. Here at the Antioch campus, we had a tree out in the lobby where we partnered with Youth for Christ, and they put ornaments on that tree, and you could take that tree, the ornament, and you could go, and it had a list of stuff to get. And so many of you responded, and they, they, they filled up the tree four times because people kept emptying the tree. And then over the, the last couple of weeks, we had a team at Smyrna campus and a team here at this campus that wrapped all the gifts and the presents. And then yesterday, we had people that, that came at 9 o'clock yesterday morning and people started loading up their cars and they had their list and their addresses and they went and delivered those gifts to family. That was a holy moment of decision that you were going to let God use you in that moment. And it was only during that time that you could do it. You see, the window of opportunity was just small. But you took the time, you made the decision for that moment to do something that God could use. It happens like that all the time. We're, we're collecting items for those experiencing homelessness and some of you have seen what a holy moment it is to be able to provide a warm blanket or a coat or some gloves or a scarf for somebody out there in the cold and we could at least make their life a little bit better. And in that holy moment of decision, you bought something and you brought something and you gave it for those people that it's going to make such a difference for. And you don't know how God's going to use that. Remember, we're not responsible for the outcome. We're responsible for the obedience in that moment. God will take care of the rest if we are obedient in the moment. Friday, I was at my office Friday morning this past Friday. And I get a phone call, and I was just in the office for a little while. I had not planned to be there long at all because I had to go back to the house and change clothes. I had a funeral Friday night that I was going to go home and get ready to go and, and get there early for that. But, but just for the short time I was here at the office Friday morning, I got a phone call. It was one of our members. Uh, Ricky called me, and, and he said, uh, Pastor Andy, I just I want you to be praying. My, uh, my mother-in-law that lives with us here at the house, she's very, very sick. We don't think she'll make it till Monday. And uh, he said, I... 
I can handle this okay. Uh, he works in the fire department. He's been around a lot of situations, emergency type situations of people that were critical and stuff like that. He said, I can handle this, but my wife and her sister, uh, her sister's here and they're really struggling with this. I wondered if you could just stop by sometime over the weekend and pray with them. I said, Ricky, I, I'll be happy to do that. I said, I don't know that I could come right now, but I'll, I'll make sure I make time for that. And after I hung up the phone, it was like the spirit was saying, go now, Randy. You need to go now. And I thought, but I got all this stuff to do. What about the sheep, right? If I leave the sheep and the work I need to do here, what's going to happen there? You know, your mind does that, right? Every reason or excuse why, I, I'll do that later. I, I could take care of that later. I, I'll go tomorrow, right? But now the Spirit was prompting, you need to go now. So I just closed up everything. I got in the car and I drove down to the house and Ricky gave me directions and I got to the house there and I walk in and they said she was upstairs. The, the mother-in-law was upstairs and one of the sisters, or one of the daughters was up there with her mom. And she called for Ricky. She said, Ricky, come quick. And Ricky ran up the stairs and he said, bring me the stethoscope. He had one at the house there. And they grabbed the stethoscope and I went up with the stethoscope with Ricky there and he checked and she passed while I was there. Right? Now, it didn't matter so much that I was there. I mean, that the family would have been okay. It's not like my being there was the all in all, right? That's not what was important. What was important was I've been with people many times when they pass away. And friends, I've got to tell you, that's one of the holy moment, most holy moments you'll ever experience. And the grief of the daughters was great. And they were struggling. And so, yeah, other people could have been there and other people could have comforted, but God prompted me to be there. And if I just hesitated a little bit longer, I would have gotten another call that said, there's no need to come by, Randy, Pastor Randy. It's too late now, right? And here's what I know when I think back on that, is I can think back on times where I listened to that prompting and I did what I was supposed to do, and God used it in some really good ways. That the family was so thankful I was there, and I love being able to help minister to a family when they're going through things like that. And I know you like being able to help people like that too. But I can also remember times when I felt promptings and I did not respond like I needed to. And I know there were opportunities and open windows there of holy moments that I missed because I hesitated just a little too long. Maybe it's telling somebody that you love them that you needed to tell. Maybe it's resolving a conflict with someone so there's forgiveness like it needs to be. Whether they forgive or not, you offer forgiveness to them. Maybe it's you left the house that day in a fight with your spouse and you didn't take the time to make sure everything was okay and something happened and you never got that opportunity again. You see, those windows don't just stay open all the time. Life is too fragile, it's too temporary. On this earth, those holy moments are only there for the moment. And you have that one opportunity to make it the holy moment that God wants it to be. Salvation is that way too, friends. Salvation is exactly that way. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
You never know. You might say, I'll take care of that later. I know I need to get some things worked out. I need to get some things straightened out. Friends, I don't share this to scare anybody. It's not about being scared into it. It's about recognizing the value and how precious the moment really is that God has given you right now. And if there's anything between you and the Father right now that needs to be resolved, this is that holy moment of opportunity for you. And I pray that there's many more opportunities, but I can't, as your pastor, say that there will be or won't be. Neither can anybody else. But you have today. You have right now. You have this moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those holy moments that you've given us, those open windows of opportunity, those chances we have to listen to your leading, your prompting, your teaching, and respond in the moment. Help us to not hesitate. Help us to be more like these shepherds who just couldn't wait to hurry and see what you had in store for them. I pray that if anyone hearing this message today wants to take a step there toward you and what you're calling them to, I pray that they would not hesitate in the moment, that they would hurry and run to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.